Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, Armorall, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every 20 you spend on Armorall products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at armorall.com. Armorall, less work, more clean. Terms apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. On today's show, we will be discussing our predictions for the 2023 Formula One season. We'll be picking our drivers and constructors champions, as well as predicting who will leave, who will not leave, and the biggest talking points for the 23 season. Hello, my name is Ron Mylander, and you're listening to the Formula Birds podcast. Hi, I'm Rosanna Tennant, and you are listening to the incredible Cut to the Race podcast. Hi, I'm Jordan King, and you're listening to the Formula Nerd podcast. Hi, I'm Crofty. You're listening to the Cut to the Race podcast. It's lights out, and away we go! Hello and welcome to the Cut to the Race podcast, the show where we bring you incredible interviews, race reviews and the latest news in F1. I'm your host, Ollie, and today with me we have Abby. Abby, how are you? I'm very well, thank you, Ollie. How are you? I'm good. Thank you for asking, Abby. Very, very good indeed. <laughs> how are you? Yeah, I'm all good, thank you. I can't ask how you are because you've just answered, so I don't really know how to close this, but yeah, I'm all good, thanks. James, how are you? I'm good. I enjoyed uh, you rhyming your intro there. As you know, we are all poets now. You're with your interviews and your race reviews and your news. Thank you. Someone noticed. <laughs> um, okay, so today on this show, we're going to be doing our pre-season predictions. Now, we have just had testing, so we've got a little bit of insight into what the season may bring for us. But uh, we've got a couple of categories, and we're going to go around the table and discuss what we predict will happen. We also have a world-famous Formula Nodes quiz, which Abby this week is going to be hosting, so make sure you stay tuned for that. But let's start off. Prediction number one. What is going to be the biggest talking point throughout the 2023 season? So this is going to be one of those stories or 
or rumors or whatever it is that just keeps going on and on and on. So I'm going to kick you off and I'm going to say it is going to be the Hamilton contract story, because as we know, Hamilton's contract finishes at the end of this year. And I don't think it's going to be signed, sealed, delivered very soon. And I think the story is just going to keep rumbling on where they've got to, where they haven't got to, the conditions of it, and if he's going to leave at the end of the season. So ultimately, I really feel this is going to dominate this season. Sam, with your hand in the air, I'll pass it over to you. I like what, I like where you're going with this. I think you're close, but I actually think it's going to be Lando Norris's contract situation. We know he's tied in, but I think his, his team, not McLaren, his you know, his people will be trying to get him out of that. I think they've got a view on a red ball seat. So I reckon that's going to be a big talking point in the year is what does Lando Norris do in light of a potentially less than competitive McLaren? Well, yeah. And so are you saying that based on what we've seen in testing and him, I believe he punched a wall during testing? I mean, yes, but I had been thinking that before because it had started to kind of enter the the ether uh, a little bit uh, over the the winter break is you know surely mclaren have to up their game now otherwise lando is going to get pretty annoyed and you know red bull have been saying all the right things for a team that are clearly courting him and have done in the past interesting okay so i think it's lewis's contract you think it's lando's contract um james what do you think is going to be the biggest talking point of this year I'm basically torn between the two of those. I was before both of you said it. That's what I've been because they were already discussing it. Like at the end of the preseason test, I think uh, Ted and Crofty were talking about it. It is going to be really interesting. Um, I, I think there's more likelihood of Lewis is getting wrapped up. I agree with you. I don't think it will. Uh, I think it depends a lot on how the season goes and how it looks like it will progress for. Mercedes but Lando's will drag on um so I might just lean towards Sam out of the two and the other thing I guess will be like the ongoing battle between the FIA and F1 that has calmed down a bit with uh with Mohammed Bentaleem stepping down stepping back sorry not stepping down and yeah but I guess like stuff ahead of 2023 and tyre blankets and stuff like that that will rumble on as well i mean it's pretty dull if you think tyre blankets are going to be the biggest talking point of the entire season not the biggest that's just (laughs) complimenting it'll be it will just drag on i get where you're going with that i do get it it's already dragging on and it's been a few weeks um abby go on pick on something different what do you think is going to be the biggest talking point well there's a lot of different variables going into this season i feel like we've got new team principals at different teams with Vasur at ferrari and vows at williams you've got the rookies devries sergeant and piastri coming in but i think the focus will be on potentially aston martin because they promise that they have this amazing amazing project and increases in testing i know you have to take it with a pinch of salt but they did have very strong performances so i think the step forward that they will take could be a big talking point, but also the battle between Mercedes with Lewis and George, teammates, yes, but at the end of the day, if Mercedes are improving a lot from last year, which I think they will do, then there will be a rivalry between both the drivers. And I think that could be a big talking point on who could potentially beat the other one. Okay, so I have a potential wild card to throw out there, but James, I reckon you should go first because I went before you last time and you were thinking what I'm thinking. I think we're probably thinking the same thing. So what's yours? Alpha Tauri? Oh, no. Oh, (laughs) the hive mind is broken. 
Uh, no, I just realised that's where I was going with the FIAF1 thing, and then I totally got distracted by tire blankets. But I think, yeah, AlphaTauri, uh, potentially the, the sale there could be an interesting one throughout the season. So mine is, I think one of the biggest talking points could potentially be surrounding a driver who hasn't even got a race seat this year. I think we're going to get a lot of Daniel Ricciardo retirement speculation. To make you feel Will better he, about the, the broken he? hive mind, that's what I was going to say before I started talking about Lando and Lewis. Okay, so we got a few, we got a few, uh, we got a few there. We definitely got four. We got a lot more than that, but I do agree. Daniel Ricciardo certainly, um, and the future of AlphaTauri is certainly going to be uh, one that goes on and on. It's only just started, but I think now the fire's lit. Um, that one is 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 not going to go away until it's it's resolved. So on to our next one. We'll start with, this is a two-parter, so best rookie of the season. Now, this is up for debate whether Nick DeFries is a rookie, okay? And I've heard I've heard lots of different opinions on this. He He's already been in an F1 race last season, so I, I sort of want to take him out of this. I don't think we should, A, because then it's a binary choice between Piastri and Sargent, and B, because how they do it in the junior, junior formulae is you are... A rookie in your first full season so quite often drivers will debut in Abu Dhabi when they start up from say F3 to F2 so I reckon we can discount the Vries on that front yeah I mean he did one race I think it's fair to call him a rookie Okay. All right. So, well, the options are Piastri, Sargent and Nick De Vries. So um, I'm not going to give my answer first this time. I'm going to give it to James. Uh, secret option D, Felipe Drogovic. Ooh, uh, okay. I, interesting. I think he will... <laughs> uh, I know. I don't actually think he'll be the best. I, I do think he will get to race. I don't think Stroll will be back. Um, and I also... What, if, for how long? Well, I don't know. I, I would say maybe one or two rounds. It depends. It sounded like you meant he'll never come back when you said <laughs> yeah. that. No, sorry. Uh, I think, I mean, to be fair, if it's a wrist injury like um, Robin Freint's had in it, Formula E, he's, he's been out for a few rounds, wasn't he? With yeah, but that. bear in mind an F1 car is probably easier to wrestle around a track than a Formula E car in terms True. of it's yeah, not power, power steering. steering. Yeah. It's your neck more that it's taking the toll. Okay, but out of the actual three options, it's tricky, isn't it? I'm not totally, like, I don't have a gut feeling for any of them. I'm like, yeah, that that's the guy I reckon that's going to do it. If I have to stick my neck out, I'm going to say De Vries. I don't think he'll, like, set the world on fire or anything, but I think he'll be at least level with Sonoda. Yeah, fair. Okay. All right. So, uh, one vote for DeVries. Um, Sam, let's take it to you. So, I think Logan, Logan Sargent. I think what a lot of people going watching F1 don't realise is how close he ran Piastri to the F3 title um, a couple of years back. He's a, a very, very quick driver. He absolutely has that kind of je ne sais quoi. Um, yes, I know, James. I know. French. Um, <laughs> thank you. I try. Um, no, I think he's got like a real, like, kind of tough side to him. Um, and yeah, I can see him hitting the ground running. And it's difficult to compete with Albon, but I think he's going to be better than people expect. Very, very interesting. Um, very interesting take there, Sam. Uh, Abby, who's, who's going to be the best? De Vries, I think, could be a step up from Sonoda. 
he has the experience, we all know that, and he did perform very well in the Williams last year in Monza. But I think it's between Piastri and Sargent. With Piastri, he's in a new team. I don't think he'll beat Lando, but the McLaren isn't that great a car as it seems at the moment for this season. So I think he could potentially be below Sargent. But with Sargent, there are lots of question marks over him for me. He has that talent. He is very good. However, we saw him in his F2 season last year. He did crack a bit under the pressure of trying to get those super license points because he had a string of, I think, five race or five rounds where he didn't finish one race. But alternatively, it could be now he's thinking, I've got three American races. I'm in F1. I've made it. I can settle it in and like get to grips with the car with the team and go from there so i think potentially sergeant yeah i was just gonna say it's a really interesting point though about you know teammates because lando oh, come on, like i don't think he's comparable to, to albon and, and sonoda in that way i think he's a, a step above so it's, it's it is really difficult to factor in but there's a good chance that alpha towery mclaren and williams could be towards the back all of all three towards the back of the grid you know down there with Haas um again we don't know so yeah but you're absolutely right about last year he kind of dragged it to a to where he needed to finish in the F2 standings okay so I've based mine on well I put Piastri as the rookie of the season now I there are multiple ways to look at who's going to be the best to me it's who's going to outperform the car Um, and yes the McLaren isn't looking like it's going to be the most incredible car but given his racing record given the lengths that McLaren have gone to to get Piastri in this seat I think he's he's absolutely got to perform and I think he's able to perform he's got he's got Mark Webber looking after him he is meant to be the next best thing and I think we'll we'll see why will he outperform Lando probably not but I expect him to be close um, I don't think it will be a complete annihilation from Lando. I think we're going to see a new star um, in F1, which will be Piastri. Now, going on to the worst rookie of the season, or the, the least best, however you want to uh, phrase it, um, I, I think it's going to be Sargent. You know, I've looked at his racing record, uh, his, his sort of his attitude towards the end of last season. He looked terrified, and he looked like someone who gets very easily stressed. He's going to be in a car that doesn't have the potential to show what you can do I think he's really going to struggle so my prediction is Sargent is not going to perform very well in his first season in F1 Sam we're going to chuck it at you because you just said he was yeah. your favorite <laughs> all right no, no, I'm, I'm not going to shy away from the points the point that he had difficult moments particularly towards the end of the season he had a really strong kind of run up to the summer um and yeah, it kind of fell away. But I think there's so much about expectation and perception. And for me, the expectation is that Piastri is going to be mega, right? And that's where he comes unstuck for me. Because even if he has a good season, people are going to be turning around going, mm, was that good enough though? I think people are now going to judge him very, very harshly. And what's kind of what we've learned after the whole tweet gate thing was that a lot of this wasn't really of Piastri's making. There's clearly there are so many different facts at play that 
but the the die is cast and people are now kind of looking at him going you better you better step up you better perform and i think that's a lot i think that's more pressure than sergeant's under so i think i think the vries has lots of experience that he can draw back on so I th- i'm gonna have to go piastri so you think it's going to be the worst? We we are polar opposites. I like that. I like that. I don't, I, don't think, I don't think he'll be bad. Worst is such a definite. Well, least good. Yeah. <laughs> this is this is why it's like it's so difficult though because like you say it it's down. It, you have to compare it to the perception and the expectation. Like I I'm going to kind of sit on the fence in a way because I think Piastri will fall below expectations, but he won't necessarily perform worse than Sergeant. So it depends kind of what you deem as worst. Uh, yeah, I think he I think he will be maybe closer to Lando than Sergeant Will to Albon. We'll see. But yeah, I think people, like you say, have expect so much now after, yeah, the Piasco. Yeah, and, and with Piastri, you could be looking at, right, Daniel Ricciardo, how did he perform in that seat? Has, is Piastri now absolutely outperforming where where Ricciardo was? Well, that's the thing. You, uh, say you break down the kind of the points percentage differ, differential between Lando and, and, and Daniel last year and compare it to Piastri and, and, and Lando this year. If Piastri has got a better you know points percentage split, then, mate, like you know, they've they've made the right call, and he's he's you know shown that he he has at least some of what he need. You know, it's so early to tell in a rookie season. That's why this is such a difficult question. It's probably most difficult rookie season is probably a, a kinder and softer way of phrasing it. Okay, all right. Well, however we phrase it, Abby, what would you say? Well, I think with Piastri, we all know that the McLaren is. A notoriously difficult car to drive. Lando said it, Science has said it, Ricardo has said it. And I think for Piastri, he's coming in, there are going to be loads of eyes on him, like you said, Sam. The expectation of him to do well is really high because he dominated F3 straight into F2. He did have a year out and now he was such sought after by McLaren, he's expected to do really well. With Logan, I think he's definitely going to outperform Matt Williams compared to Latifi did last year. I don't think there will necessarily be a bad rookie. I think they might have their own individual challenges, but I can see Logan finishing higher up in the standings as compared to Piastri. Abby, I've I've got a question for you. Okay. Do you think the Piastri going into that McLaren, which is as you say a difficult car to drive, do you think he's in some ways that's the best scenario to go into that because for him he has less experience in F1 car. It's almost like, well, this is just what it's like. Is it easier for him to adapt in that sense, do you think, than someone like Daniel or Carlos who's, who have driven other cars? That's a good point, actually. Yeah, I think so, because obviously he's been with Alpine and he's learned their way of working. But this is the first time in a McLaren, so he will have the fresh set of eyes and he won't have that experience, like you say, in an F1 car to go, oh, well, driving for Renault, it was like this. And now it's McLaren and it's completely different. So he could, in that regards, be in the best position for his F1 career. Okay, so we're going to move on to the next one. Now I'm going to switch it up a bit. What is going to be the biggest shock of the 2023 season? Now... 
I did write before we'd seen testing that it was going to be that McLaren are bad. Um, so I I feel like that's unfair for me to stick with that one. My biggest shock is going to be that Ferrari have sorted out their issues this year. I think with a new leader in charge, with a car that was already performing last year, which they should have built upon, I think... And not to not to ruin what's coming up, but I think they might be contenders for the championship this year. So my shock is going to be that Ferrari have sorted their lives out. Um, Abby, I'm going to throw it to you first this time. I think it will be Aston Martin and Haas moving significantly up the field in the championship. I think we'll see Aston Martin finish P4, Alpine P5 and Haas P6 with McLaren and Alfa Romeo and Alfa Tari towards the bottom. I feel like that Haas call is very bold. I was going to say, with Haas, you've got two drivers who have lost an F1 seat before, and Magnussen has said before, he's not worried about his career. He's just enjoying his time in F1. So I think Magnussen and Hulk will just enjoy the season, get the best out that they can, and not have this pressure of, we need to do really well. So I think that will definitely improve from last year. I mean, that makes sense. The the pressure's off kind of, uh, yeah. It helps. You saw that you know, with Vettel last year, as soon as he said he was retiring, he was a re- rejuvenated driver. Um, I've got two. I've got a, pre, a, a pre-season pre testing one and then a post-pre-season testing one. Pre-pre-season testing prediction or shock was that Mercedes won't have made the gains that everyone is expecting and hoping they will, if you're a Mercedes fan. I think that they're actually potentially going to be fighting with the Aston uh, if we can believe what we see uh, from that car from testing but my post pre-season testing prediction is that Felipe Drogovic will drive in the first Grand Prix at least and he will outperform Fernando Alonso over the weekend Ooh, I like Ooh. that one I mean, if, the hot it, take. if he does, that yeah, will be the shock of the season, right? I'll give you that one that's a hell of a shock of the season <laughs> but that leads me quite nicely into, into my hot take that I've been thinking about so yeah, it's it's tricky to to know what's going to be classed as a shock now because people have made their like preconceptions from what they've seen in testing. Even though everyone says all the caveats, whatever else, everyone has decided that Aston are front and midfield and could be battling with Mercedes. You know, like we've said, and McLaren are struggling. We'll we'll find out in a few days if that's exactly the the picture. But so on that basis, I think Aston will do worse than everyone thinks they will do. So like in a sense. Sh- like Aston not being the fourth best team is not a shock, but compared to what people are expecting now, I think, remember how much they flattered to deceive last season in practice. They kept being like fifth, sixth, fourth, seventh, and then like they get knocked out in Q1. I'm not saying they're going to be terrible, but my hot take will be they will get one podium this year and it will be Lance Stroll, not Fernando. That's fair. Also on that, the kind of the, the reverse of that is I don't think we really saw a representative time from Alpine across all of pre-season testing. And we know that they're under the yeah. weight limit so that they can obviously balance the car with the, the weight ballast where they want, which is a performance advantage. So if anyone's sandbagging, surely it's Alpine. It was quite quiet in regards to Alpine. I don't think I really heard them mentioned that much across pre-season testing. It was all the other teams. So they could be they could be waiting in the dark to then show everyone what they've got yeah and obviously everyone expects mercedes to be sandbagging all the time from you know years gone by but they were very slow on the straights so they clearly had a a setup that was not aimed at that or they were in a low power mode 
James, you'll like this. I saw a tweet the other day that was saying that Ocon and Gasly is basically this generation's driver lineup that it would be comparable to a truly Fisichella driver lineup. <laughs> Which I, I think Fisichella hard. is the Perez. I think Perez is the Fisichella of this generation, if anyone. Yeah. Great in a midfield car, got his chance at the front, but like Max is basically Alonso. Okay, right. Moving on to the next one. This is this will link quite nicely. Um, which drivers will leave after the 2023 season and then who will join? So um, sticking with sort of the Aston Martin theme here, I, I, I predict that Fernando Alonso is going to leave at the end of this season. I don't think this season is going to be what he wants it to be. I think there's going to be a lot of fallout with Stroll running the team. I think there's going to be unhappiness that we do find out about. And I believe that Djokovic will go into that seat. So that is my take for who will leave and who will join. I think the rest of the, the field seems fairly settled unless we get a Hamilton shock or anything like that. Oh, see, uh, Alonso is an interesting one because you just know that if it just if it isn't exactly as it should be or he's exactly. sounding, he's so positive at this stage, he's saying all the right things. And if it isn't yeah, he going always in is that though. direction, mm-hmm. well, that's the thing. And that's what is it's the, you know, it's the fool that kills you, right? It's the... Exactly. So especially if he's outperformed by Stroll, as James has suggested, that's going to really annoy him. Um, I, no, not season long. I just said he'd get one podium. I'm not going that hard <laughs> yeah, to take. Yeah, but you said Alonso wouldn't, and that will really annoy Fernando Alonso. No, but in, in fairness, there was, uh, I think it was Stroll and Vettel's first season together. One of them scored more points, but the other one finished in the points more often. So, you know, there's a chance that Stroll you know, gets a gets a podium, and then that's Alonso, yeah. I'm banking yeah. on one kind of crazy race where it just seems to happen to to Lance. Like yeah, you know, he he had a couple like that, and then he got his pole. Like, like he just seems to kind of yeah, yeah. But I think pole. Uh, sorry, I think Stroll is a very consistent driver now, and I think he's proven himself. So I think yeah. I, I think especially going into a new team where Stroll. I know there shouldn't be favouritism, but he is the son of the owner. I'm not sure it's going to be a comfortable place for Fernando, but that's my prediction. Uh, I believe Djokovic will come into F1 next year, and I also believe that he he should do. We'll see how it performs this weekend, mind you. But um, yes, that is mine. Um, Who wants to take it next? With Djokovic, I think he definitely deserves an F1 seat, but I feel like he could be in a similar situation to Piastri. I think Alonso depending on how this year goes, I don't think he'll leave at the end of this season. He might leave at the end of next year if it doesn't go the same way, in which case Dragovic will come in. But I do think Perez could leave at the end of this season, which isn't a shock because he has said before, if they keep adding more races to the calendar, he will leave. And especially since the tensions that have arisen between him and Verstappen since Brazil last year, obviously Red Bull breached the cost cap. They'll have effects of that. I think Verstappen, it's obviously his team he is the number one racer and he is favored so I think because there is such a different level between Perez and Verstappen I really do think we could see Perez leave in which case Formula 2 has loads of Red Bull Junior drivers you've got Maloney, Fittipaldi, Hajar, Arasa, Daruvula, Hauga any one of them could come into the seat I think it depends on their Formula 2 season but I do think we could see Zayn Maloney come in or Red Bull can take Nick DeVries from AlphaTauri, put him in Perez's seat and then promote a Red Bull Junior into AlphaTauri. I was going to say, surely, like, 
Uh, do you think they're going to promote an F2 driver straight next to Max? They, they've been burnt too many times by that. Surely. Yeah, you're right. You're right. Yeah. I, I wasn't shocked by Abby, though, saying that um, it was going to be Perez who goes. You've been saying that for a while now, Abby. I feel like I that... feel like it could happen. Mm. Abby wants Perez out of the sport. <laughs> I does. love him, but I feel like <laughs> it's unfair for him to stay at Red Bull alongside Max. And so, It's unfair for anyone to be at Red Bull alongside Max. Exactly. Oh. I was going to say Perez as well, but I don't think I don't think Ricardo will take the seat. I also don't think De Vries will move up after one year. I think they succeed in buying out Lando Norris's contracts. That leaves a space of McLaren, which I think will be filled by either Alex Pillow or Pato Award. I don't think it's going to be filled by someone like a Felipe, Felipe Drogovic. I think he's going to wait in the wings at Aston for another year. Alonso will retire. He'll take that seat. I think Joe could so, be out so, at the end of the year. Sorry, Sam. Sorry, you're God. saying that they're going to be two junior drivers at McLaren. No, no. I'm saying one one or the other. So I think it'll be Piastri will stay, but I think he'll then they'll have potentially Polo or Award alongside him. Yeah, a really, really young lineup potentially. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I think, well, not young, inexperienced lineup. Um, I think it's going to be a high turnover year. So I think Joe could go. Obvious replacement there is Teo Porcher. I think Sonoda could go. I think Liam Lawson is probably the best bet. But Dennis Hauger, basically whoever is really performing well in F2 and is a Red Bull junior. You could even see an Enzo Fittipaldi. I think it's probably a year too soon for Zay Maloney. But... Yeah, so there's potential change at Alfa I also think at least one, if not both, of the Hasses will go at the end of the year. And that's then open season. You know, could, yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if they got a driver alone, like a like Jack Doohan from, from Alpine or, or someone like that. Um, yeah, I think it's, it's all to play for this season. I think you could see a lot of change. Speaking of drivers on loan, if you think Red Bull could buy out Lando Norris, do you think that Mercedes could loan Schumacher to McLaren? Because he's a Mercedes reserve driver, but he is being loaned to McLaren for this season as well. That's a shout, but I'm not sure. He's a known quantity, but I'm not sure he quite did enough in his two years to get to jump back straight back into the sport, I think he will need a couple of years in a in a reserve or third driver role. Okay. Yeah, I think if they did lose Lando, they would probably go for a more experienced driver because they've obviously got a very young lineup now. Although Lando does have a fair bit of experience, I think if they lost Lando, they wouldn't jump to yeah someone like Mick, who's kind of a halfway house between exciting young talent and but, experience. Or but who's who's available and who takes that seat? Gasly's gone to Alpine. You know what? So here's here's my curveball. I think I agree that Perez will probably uh, leave Red Bull. I don't think he'll leave the sport, though. I think he'll go back down the grid somewhere. And he could go to McLaren. You know, he was there 10 years ago. They love to bring back an old driver. And also, I get why he would go. Because um, Rachel Brooks was saying that Perez, when he went to McLaren, he kind of changed his whole demeanour, his body language, and he kind of really felt, you know, I've made it, I'm here, I've arrived. And he hadn't. And he had to really kind of build himself back back up again. So he's, I wouldn't be surprised if he goes, yeah, I've got unfinished business here. Yeah, I think that's a shout. I do think that's a shout there, James. Uh, I think beyond that, I agree that at least one 
potentially both of the Hasses could go. Uh, Hasses, the Hass drivers, <laughs> gay Mag and Hulk. Uh, and similarly, yeah, I think Alpha Tauri, at least one, if not both, depending on how they perform, having said that uh, De Vries is my rookie of the year. Uh, I think there's, yeah, there's so much talent coming up and Sonoda is hanging on at this point. Uh, yeah, I think those are the most likely to go. There's ever too much talent coming up. Indeed. What we're going to do, we're going to get into our quiz. Now, Abby has prepared the quiz. It's going to be a lot of fun. And once we've done the quiz, we're going to get into uh, the rest of the predictions we've got, including world champion for drivers and constructors. So make sure you don't go anywhere. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. So you will be happy to know that it's time to bring back the Formula Nerds quiz. Now... Everyone's going to be very happy about this. Sam, James, James, who, who religiously re- revises for these. Um, yeah. But there's a slight change here where I'm not doing this quiz this week. I'm going to be part of it. Abby. You are, which I'm glad to see because last season you were always the quiz master. So now we get to test your knowledge. So mm. I have created a quiz because I got some Formula One quiz books for Christmas, which have been very useful. So I've split it into two rounds. Round one is before I was born. Round two is after I was born. (laughs) So I'm glad I'm not answering them. And can you tell us when you were born specifically? 2001. Okay, so is it by year, not month? Yes. So round one is everything up to the year 2000. And then since I was born is from 2001. This is interesting because 2001 was the first season that I watched. There you go. What was the first season that you watched, Ollie? Um, 1942. (laughs) No, I think it was 2007 was the first religious season that I watched. Um, And Lewis through and through, huh? Yeah, it seems that way. I'd like to point out that I am aware that F1 wasn't a world championship until 1950. (laughs) No points for that, mate. No, just before someone emails in to go, this guy... That's probably Abby's first question. <laughs> it's not. Although, oh. the first question is about 1952. So, shall we get started? All right, Abby. It's, uh, I'm handing the, the hosting mic... Well, the hosting... What would you call it? With the mosting? Well, I don't know where you're going with this. <laughs> you go, Come over and sit mosting. in my seat, Abby. This is a host chair. Off you go. Okay. So, question one. Who missed the entire 1952 Formula One season through injury? Fangio. Yes, you're off to a good start. Well done. Yes, James. 
Yeah. <laughs> thank, you, thank you, James. <laughs> Question two. Who was the first British world champion and in what year did they get that title? Go on, Sam. Oh, 1958, Mike Hawthorne. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Question three. Out of these four drivers, which one was not suspended from at least one Grand Prix during the 1994 season? Eddie Irvine, Jean Alessi, Michael Schumacher, or Mika Hackman? Right. Irvine definitely was. Yeah, if it's Irvine, I'm going to eat my beer bottle because that is just, <laughs> there's no way. He caused that pile up, didn't he, in Brazil? Mm. Um, and Schumacher obviously famously was. Hakkinen, he was injured. But not suspended, and that was—I don't even know if that was '94. And then who was it? John Lacey. Mm-hmm. Mm. Can't remember Lacey. I think it's Mika Hakkinen. I'm between Lacey and Hakkinen, so yeah, mm. I'm happy to defer to you. All right, Hakkinen. Let's go, Hakkinen. Oh, nope. it was a Lacey, was, wasn't it? Yeah, Hakkinen. Never trust Ollie. <laughs> <laughs> Hakkinen was suspended for causing the first lap pileup in Germany. Mm. Okay. Who won the last Grand Prix of the Millennium in 1999? Right, so I there was Malaysia and Suzuka at the end of that season. I don't know which way round it is. I think Suzuka was probably last. Schumacher let Irvine through to win in Malaysia to keep the title fight alive, but I feel like in Suzuka, Irvine was too far back. I think he finished behind Hakkinen. So, yeah. Yeah, it was... um, Hakkinen won both his titles at Suzuka, I'm pretty sure. And yeah, he won it by a, like a couple of points from Irvine. So I'm pretty sure it was, yeah, it was... Irvine was definitely like not close enough. So I think he actually ended up behind Schumacher and there was just no point of Schumacher letting him through because it wouldn't make any difference anyway. I think I think it was Hakkinen who won the race and the title. That, that would make sense because Irvine finished four points behind Hakkinen. So if he was, say, two points ahead going into the final race... He, those two points would have made a difference because Hakkinen would have won on, on countback. So let's go Hakkinen then. Yep. That is correct. Well done. Hey. Thanks for the yeah. contribution, Ollie. <laughs> 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 yeah. It's hard to get a word in with you two. Okay, question five. Who protested about the early start of the warm-up session for the 1984 Dallas Grand Prix by turning up in his pyjamas? Go on, Ollie. <laughs> Good luck, mate. Got no idea. Yours. I can give you some potential no, no, answers, no, and no. then you can pick one if you're Abby, really stuck. Abby, please let I've them. I've got no idea. I've got absolutely. We've been no holding idea. him back. I've yeah. got no idea. Ollie, it's your time to fly. No idea. Go on then. Give us the options. I don't. I don't know off the top of my head. Okay. Nelson Piquet, Ayrton Senna, Kiki Rosberg, or Jacques Lafitte. I don't know if that's how you pronounce his name. Jacques Lafitte. Yeah, that. Lafitte. Uh, it feels like quite a PK thing to do. Senna yeah. was, that was his first season, so it's surely not him. Also not a very Senna thing to do. I don't know about Lafitte. Wait, was there a fourth option? Kiki Rosberg. Oh, Keki. Could be Keki. Mm, is that really his style? No. Yeah, it's, it's not very, very finish. Feels very PK. Yeah, I, I, yeah, okay. I, out of those, I'd lean for PK. I actually have the answer as Ayrton Senna. That's, what? That's ballsy for your debut season. Yeah. Fair. Fair. Wow. Never knew that. Good thing he was talented. Because otherwise he would have been that guy that turned up in his pyjamas once. <laughs> yeah. In 1993, which F1 engine did McLaren test but not use in a Grand Prix? Hmm... 
So it was Ford in 93, I think. McLaren Ford. Peugeot, maybe, then? I was just thinking Peugeot. They had Peugeot at some point. Um, I, I feel like Peugeot was maybe 94. Elmore? Okay, I'm James is now Peugeot. throwing out engines I've never heard of. So we're going to go with James. <laughs> <laughs> okay, it was actually Lamborghini. Oh, <laughs> well. You're doing well so far. Now, question seven. How many times did Michael and Ralph Schumacher finish first and second in a Grand Prix? I think it's going to be less than we might initially think it is. Yeah. I wouldn't be surprised if it was like two or three times. Ollie, how many do you think? Five. Oh, that was what was in my head. I'm happy to go with five. That is correct. Well, <laughs> oh, he, no. he does know it. I do. See, I told you guys. I'm just... <laughs> okay, question eight. Name as many Grand Prix winners from 1982 as you can. There's 11 oh, there different so winners. Many. Yeah. Right, John Sorry. Watson. Uh, Keki Rosberg. He won the title. Mm-hmm. Uh, Lauda. Mm-hmm. Um, Alain Prost. Uh, yeah, Prost. PK. Lafitte. No. no. Peroni. Peroni was Villeneuve. No. Yeah. Or did yeah. Villeneuve not? No, he because he died in like the third round, didn't he? Um, yeah. Sorry, how many have we got? Yeah, Tombe, Rennie are new, maybe? Yeah. Those were my next two. You have eight so far. Oh, Patrese? Yeah. And the Crazy okay. Monaco one. They raced one race for Lotus and one race for Tyrrell. In, in that, that season. Race. Angelis, yes. De Angelis. Yep. And Tyrrell in 82. Alboreto. Yes. Oh, well done. Well done. <laughs> what a nerd. <laughs> Before we go on to round two, the one in pyjamas, I just looked it up. It isn't Senna, actually. <laughs> Who is it? I knew that wasn't a Senna move. <laughs> Jacques Levite. Ah. There you go. Well, we were wrong anyway, so no harm done. <laughs> Okay, round two is after I was born, so it's all current. Which pair of teammates collided on the first lap of the 2016 Spanish Grand Prix eliminated? Hamilton and Rosberg. <laughs> when he knows quick. it, he doesn't hang about, does he? <laughs> God, that was almost a jump start. <laughs> Which current rookie on the grid for 2023 was born the year Fernando Alonso made his F1 debut? Oscar Piastri. Oh, sorry, that was me. That was me, John. <laughs> <laughs> I'm pretty sure, but wasn't he born a month after Alonso made his debut? Yeah. I think so, yeah. yeah. I think so. Mad. Who partnered Kimi Raikkonen at Ferrari for the last five Grand Prix of the 2009 season? Giancarlo Vizzigella. James's favourite driver. Yeah, we couldn't let anyone else answer that question. (laughs) Yeah. Who were the four drivers to win a Grand Prix in 2004 other than Michael Schumacher? Barrichello Alonso. must have got one. Uh-huh. Barrichello, yes. Alonso won a race in 2003. One was Yano yeah. Trulli at Monaco. Yeah, yeah, Monaco. So we've got, wait, Schumacher, Barrichello, Barrichello Trulli. And so we need two uh, more. Raikkonen. Kimi. Yep. Mm. Montoya. Yes. In which race of the 2018 season was the chequered flag mistakenly shown a lap too soon? Oh, I remember this. 
Yeah. yeah. It was that. Uh, it was the model. I can't remember her name. Winnie the, Harlow. The skin Winnie Harlow. That's yeah. The one. Winnie Harlow. Bonus <laughs> point: If you can tell me what lap the checkered flag was waved and when it was supposed to be waved. I feel like a, it's a seventy-one lap race. Yes. I, I was going to say 71 points? instead of 72. 72, 71? It's around there. We're all wrong. Like uh, 60s. And, and I think it's, 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 it's late 60s, definitely. I would say it's 67. Nope. Canada is actually a 70 lap race, oh, and it was waved on lap 69. So, with that in mind, final question. To win every race in the, in the 2022 season, how many laps would you need to have completed? Oh my so if you won every race, <laughs> what's the total number of laps you would have driven? Oh. I mean, that's basically how many laps in the calendar, right? Yeah. Yeah. So you know, seventy for Canada. Just work out. <laughs> James, yeah, just I know. <laughs> I know you probably know this, but I do not. Let's do. Let's do a bit of rough maths. We've got twenty-three races. Average, maybe sixty laps. Sixty-five. Yeah. I'd say average fifty-five. No. Let's. Bl- 60. I mean, like, the, the lowest is Spa, and that's 44. Everything else is up in the 60s, mm. pretty much, all right, apart all right. from all high right. 50s. So and there's, that, Monaco's 78. All right, let's average at 60, then. What's 60, 60 times, times 23? 1,200. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> that's actually fairly close. It's 1,294 laps. <laughs> and you can maths really quickly. Oh my god! <laughs> I was still doing my so, times tables. So wait, wait, Abby, what, what what was the number again? I just want to work out the average number of laps. <laughs> One thousand two hundred and ninety-four laps in total. Uh, James, I'd like to point out that the average number of laps per race is fifty-six. <laughs> 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 and what did we score, Abby? Twenty-two out of twenty-seven. Which, considering that I had the answer wrong for one of the questions that I asked you, <laughs> it's yeah. good. So, well done. Okay, so we're getting into the big ones. Um, let's start with World Constructors Champions for 2023. Now, earlier on in the show, I gave mine away. I believe it's Ferrari's year. I think it, it, they're overdue a championship. I truly believe this is the year for Ferrari. I think they've got the car. I think they, they're doing the restructuring. They've got the right man at the top. I'm sticking with Ferrari for this. Um, James McKenzie, who do you think is going to be the Constructors World Champions this year? I hope you're right, or at least uh, it's close to you being right. I just I can't see past Red Bull from the position of dominance that they've got themselves into. And, you know, we, we're not to bring up the cost cap again, but they will be benefiting still from that this year, as was, you know, widely pointed out. I think, yeah, I think it's them all over. So, yeah, the reason I didn't say Red Bull, because we don't quite know what impact that uh, penalties had yet. And also, if they if they broke uh, the cost cap that year, there's a potential that they've done it again, and we just don't know about it yet. So if, if there are further penalties, they're going to come down hard on Red Bull. So I think Red Bull and the cost cap saga is not quite over yet, and I'm not sure how it's going to impact them, or I'm not sure we've seen how it's going to impact them. Yes, from pre-season testing, <laughs> they look dominant, but is that is that a sure force that's not really there yet? Um, Abby, who do, you, who, who do you think is going to take the constructors? I think it will be a three-way battle between Red Bull, Mercedes and Ferrari. I think Red Bull will take a step back, Mercedes will take a step up, and they'll all be fighting for it. However, I think it will come down to Mercedes. 
I know lots of people do get annoyed because they had a string of eight constructors titles all in a row, but they have two amazing drivers. They're very consistent, especially with their reliability. I think they only had reliability issues in the last race in 2022. And then Russell crashed out in Silverstone due to a crash, not a reliability issue. So I think obviously Hamilton and Russell are very consistent. Leclerc and Sainz, they are, but I still think Ferrari will have a couple of issues to iron out. They've got a new team principal who will undoubtedly help them improve, but I don't think they're quite there yet to start winning the Constructors' Championship. 2024 maybe, but not 2023 in my eyes. So you're going with Mercedes? Yes. What bold. Okay, Sam. I agree with a lot of what has been said, particularly Abby saying that Rebel will fall back and Mercedes will move up. But I think the whole cost cap thing, yeah, absolutely take your point, Ollie, that they may well have broken it again. Their saving grace may have been that they'd already wrapped up the championships and they could really put a halt on that spend at the end of last season to kind of avoid that. But where the cost cap penalty comes in is in the development game, surely. So therefore, it's in Ferrari and Mercedes' hands to make those gains. Red Bull aren't going to go backwards, but they just might not develop as quickly as the other two. That said in mind, I'm going to answer the question with my heart, not my head, and say Ferrari, I think that they have a more consistent driver lineup, and I don't think that Mercedes are quite there yet. Although out of the big three, I think Mercedes do have the strongest uh, two drivers across the three. Okay, so two Ferrari. Wow. Um, to, to clarify, the strongest lineup overall, not... I'm not saying Russell is ahead of no. Verstappen. No, no, no. I mean, the, the, the point about pop the cost cap is that obviously it was breached in 21. And how long did it take in the 22 season to figure out what had gone on? So, you know, had they already gone too far by the point that that all came out? Only time will tell. Um, okay, interesting. Um, okay, World Drivers Champion. Now, I've got one with my head and one with my heart here. So it's interesting you mentioned that, Sam. Um, my head is saying it's Max Verstappen. Um, and I think even with Red Bull struggling, he knows how to outperform that car. I think, it, you know, if Red Bull struggle, it will certainly be Perez struggling, and that's where they'll lose the championship. However, with my heart, I still feel like there's something that needs to be corrected. Um, and I would like to see Lewis take that eighth championship. I believe he can do it, even with a sub um subpar car and i also believe that that will that will lead him to probably retire and make some space for the new guys coming up and i think it will just settle everything that's happened so i if i had to pick one it'd probably be verstappen similarly obviously i can't see past red bull and if i can't see past red bull i mean there's no way max isn't going to capitalize on that in my hypothetical season so yeah i i really hope that i mean yeah obviously i would I would love Lewis to get number eight, right the wrongs, etc. I would love Charles to right some wrongs as well. I'd love him to be at least in a proper title battle that goes on the length of the season this way, at uh, this time. But yeah, I think I think Max is getting number three. Sam, what's your thoughts on that? I mean, I'm I'm in the same head and heart break there uh, between Hamilton and, and Verstappen, and I completely, completely agree that if Hamilton wins, that kind of draws a line under everything that's happened over the last couple of years. And I think allows the sport to kind of heal and move on. So in some ways, I think that's probably the best outcome. But 
I just can't see Verstappen not winning the title. I think if it's close, if the development game does come into it, I think he's more impacted by the whole Perez fallout than than we kind of can appreciate at this stage because I don't think he's bang for him anymore. And that's where Hamilton can potentially take advantage. Um, but I just can't see Verstappen not winning that title. Just very quickly, that's a great point. I, I, it really does need that to happen, if not this season, at some point before Lewis retires. If Lewis retires without number eight, I, it will drag on forever. I think, yeah, it, yeah, it will, will do a great job of healing things and going, well, you know, he got it in the end, no harm done. If he retires with seven, it it will it will never end. I mean, never. <laughs> For decades. Yeah, I mean, I remember Martin Brundle a few years ago saying, you know, I think Lewis realistically will, will take 10 world titles. Things change. But that's Martin Brundle, who's an extremely um informed chap and think things have changed but f- for the rest of history it will be lewis hamilton yes seven time matched with, matched with michael schumacher but only because of and it, it it just needs to be settled i mean maybe we'll all kind of uh you know give verstappen a pass and red bull a pass and focus our efforts on Nico Rosberg as the reason why Hamilton didn't win his eighth title. But, <laughs> oh, it's yeah. a good point. It's a very good point. Ne- never mind, though. Going back to uh, 2016, yes, um, the Spanish Grand Prix, nicely. Thanks for that, Abby. Um, all right, Abby, who do you think is going to take it? Well, I think we'll definitely see a lot of different drivers on the podium outside of the top three. I think we could see a Haas. I think we could see Alonso or Stroll, as James said. I don't think we'll see Lando this year. But looking at the championship, Verstappen obviously has that edge because he is on a different level to Perez, which means that if Ferrari and Mercedes do excel, they're then sharing the points across two drivers rather than one which Red Bull would be doing. But I don't think it will be a Ferrari driver. As much as I'd like to see Leclerc win a championship, I don't think the team's ready to support him to win enough races this season at that point. Verstappen's obviously the obvious choice to go with. I think it could be a Mercedes driver. I think they've improved slightly from last year. They're not poor poising anymore, or as what we've seen from testing. Hamilton's testing time this year was six seconds faster than his time last year. The W14 is black, and they were amazing when they had the black car in 2020 and 2021. Then yeah. they went back to silver. And yeah, really technical here. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Black oh, means they win. Mean. <laughs> it looks so mean. It does look it good. It does, which I think could like lend a hand to them dominating. But I think it could be Russell over Hamilton. What? I think we'll see the battle between them. I don't and think I do that's a think it could take. be Russell. Yes, Abby. I, I predicted that. Uh, my la- that for you. last season prediction was that Russell was going to take it this year. Um, how wrong I was, but I can't see Mercedes prioritizing Russell. I just Why can't not? see it. I know it's Hamilton yeah, and everyone I mean, wants him to get his eighth title, but I feel like the team would let them race. Yeah. What will be really irritating though is people will never let George Russell forget it. I know. <laughs> it, it, it will be almost as if it wasn't on merit that he beat one of the greatest of all time it'll just be like oh you did you know you got lucky here here and here so yeah i don't think he can ever be allowed to win it'll be the next nico rosberg yeah yeah i mean (laughs) shout out to my uh, man i don't yeah i don't think that's a a crazy suggestion at all if mercedes helps a car like 
George showed yeah. that he can hold his own with Lewis last year. He, okay, yeah, we all know the first half of the year Lewis was working on the car and sorting it out. And But George is, was also in his first year with Mercedes. He's a very, very good driver. And it doesn't take much, like we saw with Nico in 2016. If you just capitalise and the other guy gets a little bit of bad luck, it doesn't take much. I have been saying for a while, how long is it going to take for George and Lewis to come to blows? Because it, it, this could be the year, right? And, and as soon as that happens, because they are both very, very good drivers. I, I, I do not underestimate George Russell at all. I think he's a, you know, he's a championship potential. But when it comes to blows, team orders are going to come in. And then it's all about experience of playing that game, which Lewis has done his entire career. They're, Mercedes are an older and wiser team now than they were however many years ago 2016 was seven years ago but also i think that the hamilton rosberg dynamic was so different because they grew up together russell obviously has come through the ranks and hamilton has seen all of that but he's an unknown commodity in some ways to hamilton i don't think hamilton can necessarily play him the same way he could play rosberg but also i think that makes it more difficult for for George on the other side, like it's a kind of vice versa situation there. So I think it could actually be a more intriguing inter-teammate scrap in that sense. Yeah, because Bottas wasn't very intriguing. It was Bottas. You're going to come second and Verstappen's going to come third. Um, you're going to say it, thank you for it. <laughs> it was Hambot Ver that whole entire time, wasn't it? But yeah, it, it, it'll be interesting because they, if they race, it will come to blows eventually. It will. Will this be the season? I don't know, but it's going to happen. So moving on to our final prediction. Um, Now, who is going to be the best driver on the grid this year and who will be the worst? Now, let's just base this on the car that they've got. Are they going to outperform it? Are they going to be, you know, the the, the Lando Norris, the guy who just comes in and just absolutely outdrives the car? Or are they going to be the Nicholas Latifi, who's always in last and just causing havoc? So to pick two drivers... I believe the best driver on the grid this year will be Max Verstappen. I think he's going to have some challenges throughout the season, which he's going to have to show himself. And I think he's he's proven that he can do that. And I think the the, the least impressive driver on the grid, I'm afraid, will be Sargent. I just, I don't feel that he's got, I, I think he's going to struggle in his first year. I really do. Um, Sam, <laughs> going back to Sergeant, I'll throw it to you. Well, you say first year, but by your hypothesis, it'll be his only year, surely. He's only one year contract, right? Potentially. So, well, I assume he's on one year contract. I don't know specifically at this stage. I think it, Lando Norris, I think, will be the driver, driver of the year. I think he'll outperform that McLaren to the point that again, it'll be kind of difficult to work out where that McLaren is. Um, so yeah, I think Landon Norris on that front, I think Nico Hulkenberg will struggle. I think his comeback comes maybe a year too late. It just, he's into his mid thirties and I think it's a really difficult time to step back into the sport in a new generation. Yeah. So I think unfortunately there will be no, you know, romantic, final you know final and first podium to see him off into the uh into retirement 
Mm. I mean, I can't see a podium for Hulkenberg coming. However, I feel like Haas need that those experienced drivers, and it may bring them forward. So, yeah, in, interesting view. Is it is it too late? Has he expired, James? I think yeah. I was leaning towards Hulk potentially. I mean, this is the thing in terms of you know replacing Latifi and formerly Mazepin as the you know the the meme of the grid. Unfortunately, it will always fall to whoever basically has the worst car. Even if you are say a four out of ten when your teammate is a six out of ten. If you're the driver at the back, it was you know we saw that Daniel probably got outperformed by Lando worse than Latifi did by Albon. It, it, it was at least comparable, but there was only one guy who got made fun of constantly. So it's about to some extent who gets the worst car will be the the driver that's deemed to have done the worst. Um, but yeah, I agree with Sam uh, in terms of Hulk probably being past his best and potentially struggling. Um, and maybe yeah maybe Sonoda I think if I think if he were going to flourish I think it would have happened in his second season okay Abby I agree with Sonoda I think I know he's he's done a lot of work he's worked with Daniel Ricciardo's performance coach to mature and improve himself out of the car and in the car but I do think when he gets in the car if he's in high stress situations and he is feeling under pressure we could see him get rattled a bit. And I do see AlphaTauri being towards the back of the grid. And I think Sonoda will unfortunately not be able to perform as well as DeVries or as well as people hope that he will this season. So he, for me, would be one of the ones to not have the best season. The best person on the grid... That's a difficult one to call because it is about who is the best car. You'd say Lando, but then McLaren have a difficult car this season. So I don't think him necessarily, but it is really difficult to call at this stage. I mean, James definitely didn't answer on who he thinks will have the best season, you know, kind of comparatively or relatively. But and neither is Abby. Back to <laughs> Abby hasn't answered it either. Well, I mean, there was, there was some fence, you know, kind of, you know, hovering on by both of them there. Um, but the Alpha Tauri situation, I think, really is the determining factor in Sonoda's future, but also probably DeVries' future as well. Whatever happens there will surely play into potentially who leaves uh, the sport at the end of the year. All those things that I wouldn't want to be driving for a team that is potentially in the midst of, of a sale. There's surely, yeah the the focus won't be on the team on the car where's the incentive to develop all those things all those factors are going to make it a really difficult environment for those two drivers for the record i definitely didn't hover on a fence because i just entirely forgot that that was even a question the the best part so i will answer the fence yeah (laughs) i'm so far from the fence the fence is a dot to me i think it's probably again it's hard to look past max but I think Charles has a point to prove. He's there with Frederick Vasseur, who he knows really well. I think he'd give Max a run for his money as best driver of the year. Okay. All right, Abby, it's your time now to answer that. <laughs> um, if I had to pick someone from the top three, like top three teams, sorry, I would agree with James. I think Charles. Lewis and George will in my view, undoubtedly have a good season. Perez will struggle the most out of the six drivers. Verstappen is Verstappen. But like James said, Charles does have a point to prove. He does want that championship. And with Vasseur coming in, they've worked together before. 
So he is in potentially the best place for him at the moment, but yeah. And now now do the rest of the grid. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. I don't, it's difficult because I want to say Lando, but I don't think McLaren will do well. I think they'll be towards the back. Then you have Aston Martin who have the promise of this amazing project and they have Alonso who you know will never give up without a fight. So it could be him, but I don't know. It is really difficult. So having said all that, we've seen how deceiving pre-season testing has been in the past. So yeah, I, I mentioned this little quiz. It's not really a quiz. It's more one question. So since the start of the hybrid era, how many times has the world champion been the driver who produced the fastest testing time. There were two tests in 2014, two in 2022, one every year between that. Obviously, you can't compare the two tests in the same year, so that counts twice. Max topped it last year, didn't he? And he became champion. So that's one, I think. Emphasis I mean, on the think here. I was going to say zero, so you've just saved me some <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm thinking two or three, because in the Mercedes dominance era, they would have at least shown their hand, hands once. I'm going to go mean, with what's three. Lying you know, multiple times. Three. Or sandbagging. So Ollie says three. Sam doesn't say zero. <laughs> I've just found this really nice fence, actually. Sorry, that was a really odd noise for a podcast. Um, four. Four. Abby? Okay, I'll go two. Yeah. And the winner is Abby. Is it? Ooh. See, she's great when she's been oh, born. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Max last year and Max in 2021. And mm. how many times, I mean, obviously that that's kind of given away, but how many times has Lewis Hamilton topped the testing times? Zero. Once in 2022 ahead of his worst season of the hybrid era. It's the wow. only time he tops one of the tests last year. Max topped the other. Hmm. So I mean, that is so, I love, I, I love that. That is so Max Verstappen. Just to be like, you know what? I'm quick. Yeah, Everyone matter. knows I'm quick. Yeah. What's the point of even trying to deceive anyone? So Mercedes did, Mercedes did top the time though, twice during their era of dominance. Rosberg in 2015, Obviously, when Lewis went on to win, and Bottas in 2020, when Lewis went on to dominate. Go on, Valtteri. It was Kimi twice, 2016 and 2017. Seb twice, 2018 and 2019. And 2014 was Felipe Massa in the Williams and Kevin Magnussen in the McLaren. That was a good year, though, that. Goodness me. Um, So, what James just said is Max Verstappen's going to be world champion. (laughs) <laughs> or is it going to be Logan Sargent <laughs> yeah indeed um, so we did ask our Formula Nerds group members on Facebook so we have a Facebook group with 25,000 people there and we asked them for their predictions of who will be the 2023 F1 world champion now over 250 people voted 41% of them said it's going to be Max Verstappen closely followed by Lewis Hamilton with 37% In third was Charles Leclerc with 13%, and 5% of people said George Russell. So people have spoken. It seems like it's a resounding uh, opinion across uh, F1 fans that Max Verstappen is going to take this, but people still think Lewis might come back. 
What do you guys think of that? I, it sounds like uh, the Facebook group know what they're talking about. <laughs> and, well, and James McKenzie doesn't. <laughs> I, I didn't say that because I think we've well established, if I say that James McKenzie doesn't know what he's talking about, I'm basically saying I don't know what I'm talking about as well. And I'm never going to do that, <laughs> even though it probably is true. Um, yeah, I mean, that's exactly what you'd expect, surely, that what? 78% have voted in favour of Hamilton and, and Verstappen to be, you know, champion. So, yeah. Interesting. What Do you know what the vote was for, for Science and Perez? So we had uh, Carlos Science 2%, so three people voted. Um, Lance Stroll had one vote. Uh, Zhou Guan Yu had three votes, which I found entertaining. Um, and that's all that people voted for. Oh, sorry, Perez. I missed Perez. Sorry. Perez had one vote. So Zhou Guan Yu is three times more likely to be <laughs> this year's World Drivers Champion than Checo Perez. Thank you, Facebook. That's, that's good to know. Thank you. But yes, but the majority, obviously, we have discussed. Anyway, that is all that we have time for today. We're going to be back next week with... What are we going to be back with, Sam? I feel like we're reviewing something. Yeah, is I, feel, I feel like we've been waiting a while. A, a, a TV programme, maybe? Maybe a new TV. I don't know. What are we reviewing, Ollie? We're reviewing round one of the 2023 season. Um, guys, in terms of excitement levels, and be totally honest here, out of 10, how excited are you for the first round of the season? Abby? I'm going to say 9.5 out of 10. I'm not going to say 10 because then I feel like if the race isn't that exciting, I'll be let down. So I'm giving it room to be really excited and impress me even more. So 9.5. So your anxiety is bringing it down. Okay, got it. Yeah. James McKenzie, well, out of 10. Uh, I'd say about seven. I think I've been more excited for seasons. I'm a little apprehensive of more Max Red Bull dominance. Uh, and also it's just kind of caught me off guard. Like I kind of felt like it was a couple of weeks away. Well, a couple of weeks further away than it is it's caught me off guard by being at the start of march uh, but i am excited so that has been downrated because james wasn't ready okay sam see i'm like, like abby i'm really nervous about it i get nervous about the start of the season i get nervous before races it's almost like i think the whole thing's about me uh i don't <laughs> but <laughs> I think it's a good sign because when I'm nervous, it shows that I care and that it matters to me. So I'm going to go with an eight. I'm pretty excited. I'm not as excited about the first race. I'm going on a stag do next weekend. So I'll be watching it whilst very, very hungover, uh, no doubt. So I'm kind of dreading having to like put my analytical hat on uh, in that state uh, a little bit. But yeah, I'm eight out of 10 for the season. Okay, cool. Yeah, I'm going to go with a nine. Uh, I'm I'm excited. And that one that I haven't counted is for the anxiety of what if Max Verstappen just runs away and we're all disappointed. Or what if it's like last year's Bahrain Grand Prix where Verstappen and Perez both DNF. Indeed. And then we have Lewis sailing to the front and taking the win. Well, I'll take that. Um, okay, that, that is it. Join us next week for a very hungover Sam Coop. Thank you very much. Thank you for having me. I've really, really enjoyed it. More so than most shows. I, I enjoy all the shows, but this one I feel has been particularly fun. So thank you very much for putting it together, Ollie. You're very and, welcome. Brilliant, brilliant quiz mastering. 
Thank you. Next time I'll get all the answers correct to the questions that I ask. <laughs> it's more difficult than you would think. Thank you, it Abby. It is. And, and James, thank you for being my other half, as always. Is it us getting married next weekend? <laughs> uh, you don't generally get married on a stag do, but... It's <laughs> a fair point, Never actually. mind. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that is all for now. We will see you next week for the race review. Until then, goodbye. You're listening to the Cut to the Race podcast. It's lights out, and away we go! Sports Social Podcast Network.